Good morning, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people who are just starting out in their career, those in transition or possibly feeling stuck, giving them access to stories of people who are just starting out in their career or who might be in transition or who have overcome being stuck so that they might be inspired to move or change or be in action in a different way. Today, I'm very excited to be meeting with Erin Owens, who I met through the Self-Expression Leadership Program at Landmark Education, I guess is the name of that program, correct? So welcome, Erin. Well, thank you, Kathy. I'm happy to be here. And Aaron actually owns his own business. He's the CEO of Leading the Revolution, which is a marketing consulting firm, correct? That's right, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm anxious to hear a little bit more. I mean, with that title, Leading the Revolution, <laughs> what a bold statement for you. Right. <laughs> but before we get into that, I always like to do some icebreakers. Great. So that we understand a little bit more about how you got who you are and how you got to where you are today. Fantastic. So, so let's talk a little bit about where you grew up. How many siblings and where you are in the birth order? Because I do think that has an influence on how you are yeah. as a person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, you know, I, I was actually born in a small town in Wyoming, Wheatland, Wyoming, little Wheatland. farm town. Uh-huh. And uh, I was the oldest. So I was, uh, I have one younger brother who's about three years younger than me. And uh, when I was five, we moved to another small town in Nebraska, uh, Gearing, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. That's, uh, that's where I grew up, K through 12. Um, and I always tell people I grew up in a farm town, but the only time I was ever on a farm was to play paintball. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know much about farming, but, you know, totally get this sort of small, rural, small town America kind of uh, kind of feel. <laughs> kind of feel, that's cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, two boys, I'm guessing, did you guys play sports? We or? did, yeah. So uh, I was, um, we, we played everything, you know, uh, but my sport was really baseball, right? I just loved summers, loved baseball. Mm. Um, and then, uh, but then I really got into music. So uh, I grew up in a family where my dad is a, is a musician and um, can play, you know, just about every, uh, you know, brass instrument and, and stringed instrument out there. And so, uh, so I really got into music. My brother and I both went into music. And uh, so that kind of, when I got to high school, I was more focused on, on my music than I was uh, my sports. Also, you know, I, I love uh, baseball, but, you know, really wasn't as good as the other guys. So <laughs> at some point you have to sort of tap out and, and decide what you're going to focus you're gonna on. Do, yeah. Yeah. So what instrument did you play or instruments, I guess? Yeah, maybe. so I, I sang and I played trumpet. So And trumpet was actually uh, what I um, – I had a scholarship to go to uh, college playing the trumpet and decided not to do that because, you know, I grew up in a family where I, I was the first person to go to college. So I didn't have anybody that – was able to coach me and tell me, hey, you know, don't worry about what you major in because it doesn't really matter. You're not going to focus on that in your career anyway. And I think, man, I, you know, because I was like, well, I don't want to, I'm not good enough to be like a professional musician and I don't want to be a band teacher. So how am I going to use this? Well, it turns out, you know, I should have just gone, done the thing that I loved, done it for free and, uh, you know, Still did whatever I wanted to. And in my re- yeah, and reap the rewards of yeah. you got an education out of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one of those lessons learned. I'm sure it's going to exactly. come up a little bit later. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you speak any other languages? Um, I I don't speak any other languages. No. Okay. Just I always throw that out there because you never know what people throw out, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you you know three languages. Okay. okay so uh, a little bit different question here on the fun meter mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five. Yeah. Where do you put yourself? 
One being couch potato, five being life of the party. Oh, you know, so uh, it kind of depends on the on the audience, but usually I'm I'm in the four range. In the four, know? cool. Yeah. I can't tell you how many three point fives I get. Three point fives. <laughs> so it's not only the middle, but then there's a point five. Yeah. <laughs> same for same scale for the risk meter. How are you um, taking risks? Five. I I um I am probably not risk averse enough. Sometimes, yeah. I I am I'm willing to just jump up and. And make a huge change, take a risk, do something. You know, I, I, I'm a person who makes a decision and then tries to figure out a way to justify it later <laughs> sometimes. And that served me well, and it's, it has bit me in the rear a couple times, which oh, I'm sure we'll get into. I'm sure we'll get into that. Well, now I'm very curious because <laughs> uh, I've only had, I think, one other person say a five. And then actually she corrected and said maybe it was a seven. Oh. Uh, but she said they're all calculated risks. So it's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to peel apart. Yeah. And how we'll get into that. She, so. She's a seven on a scale of one to five. Five, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I want to meet her. <laughs> Cause lots of trouble. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what your uh, job or role or what you're doing sure. today. And then we'll talk about how did you get there. You know, kind of going back and say, well, is that what you always wanted to be and do? Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I started my current company leading your revolution, uh, actually back in 2015, but I, it was always sort of a side gig for a long time. And, uh, and it was, it, it's a company that helps, uh, train and coach business leaders, how to grow their businesses. Right. And we primarily focus on marketing though. I do some leadership development and things like that as well. Um, but it was, uh, definitely not at all where I thought my life would end up. It was not where my career was heading at any mm-hmm. point and, uh, was just kind of fortuitous how I, how I landed here. But, um, yeah, so we, we build training and, and coaching and do some consulting for, um, for, uh, primarily B2B, you know, business to business companies that mm-hmm. want to grow and they want to do it in a way that's quick and effective and, um, and affordable. And they're looking for your expertise and probably yep. your arms and legs to help with that. And yeah, wow, okay. exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I know that there was a series of ways to get there and you said it was a side gig. So we'll yeah. probably get into what it was the sidecar too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's go way back. Let's go yeah. back to those junior high, high school years. Yeah. Were you always thinking marketing, you know, business consultant, helping CEOs? I mean, let's no. talk about what your aspirations were. Yeah, you know, no. When I was in junior high and high school, so I was, you know, I, I, I'm sure in this small little farm town, I was easily the nerdiest kid in town. So I was, you know, the president of the tech club. And, you know, I, I actually learned to program my first computer when I was in fourth grade. And so uh, I thought for sure, you know, this was, you know, this was the mid 90s. I thought for sure I was going to be, you know, the next Bill Gates. And, you know, th- those are my idols. I was like, I'm going to start a, a software company. I'm going to, um, you know, bank on this, you know, the, the dot-com boom that was going on Oh, at the yeah, time. that was big in the 90s, right? Absolutely, you know. <laughs> so that was really where my where my heart and my passion was. And I just kind of got burnt out by the time I got to high school. So I, I'm leaving high school. And I'm thinking, man, I, I've, I've kind of invested the last several years of my life, you know, learning everything I could about computers and building programs and software. And now the last thing I want to do is write another line of code ever. Like, I'm just done. And so, and I, and I had sort of decided I wasn't going to pursue music. So these two things that I was great at, that I was sort of known for, and everybody thought, oh, he's going to be, you know, one of these two things. I had no interest in. You just left him behind. Wow. So is this like risk number one and two for you? (laughs) (laughs) Stepping into something totally different? Could be. Well, you know, so I had a great um, history teacher in high school 
who really got me excited for the first time in my life about history and government and politics and, and how, you know, I, I had sort of seen history as, this, you know, memorizing dates and mm, yeah. names and things like that, and never really understanding the story underneath it and all the human dynamics, right? Yeah. So I... And uh, how it really shaped where we are today. I mean, I don't know that, yeah, you get that as a kid, right? You have, it's all about yeah. memorization and boring and blah, 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 but it exactly. really is. Our history, I mean, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and I got, I fell in love with this idea that, you know, I, I fell in love with, with systems, with computers and things before, but then I realized that, you know, humans and society is also mm-hmm. a system, mm-hmm. you know, and there really are some formulas and things that that allow you to create the things in society, just like there is in a computer program, right? You know, there's a certain way to do things to create what you want. And so I fell in love. I started reading all these leadership books and negotiation and sales and things like that when I was in high school. And I ended up going to college to go into political science and thought, well, now, now my goal is I want to be, you know, um, you know, governor or, you know, president or something like that. You know, that was, that was my goal. So I went to the University of Wyoming. So I'm, I'm sorry, I want to interrupt for yeah. just a second. So you did decide to go to college, but you didn't take the, the scholarship. Didn't take the scholarship, no. So now you're paying for it on your I'm own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, I don't want your free money and do something I love to do, but okay. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah, you know, so, you know, d- definitely yeah. lesson number one is, yeah. you know, um, you know, take take the free money, yeah. take take the easier path sometimes when it's there, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I went to the University of Wyoming and I studied political science and economics and, um, you know, started, uh, you know, the Young Democrats group when I was there because in Wyoming there's not a strong Democratic contingent, as you can imagine, and uh, got involved um, really quickly in a gubernatorial campaign, got um, helped get a governor elected and sort of got, got the bug of politics, right? Wow. I was like, this is what I want to, this yeah. is what I want to do. And um, again, being in Wyoming where there's not a very deep bench uh, for political consultants and political types, and there's not a whole lot of money, especially on the, the progressive side of things. Um, you know, I, I'm a 19-year-old kid who doesn't need much money, so I was a perfect candidate for, you know, running campaigns for candidates who didn't have much money to give, you know. And so I started getting involved in, in political campaigns and ran my first congressional campaign when I was 20. And, like uh, as campaign manager, that's yeah. that's what you're talking about. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, so I I ran a, 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 a there were there were two campaign managers. I, I ran one region. There was somebody else that ran another region. And um, but yeah, we we ran that, and it was uh, uh, we lost, but it was the closest election in like 30 years in Wyoming for this Incredible. particular race. Yeah, and uh, and we raised a bunch of money, and um, and then the next time around, uh, uh, two years later, because of what we had done, we got a bunch of money and, and attention. And so now there's just this flood of money coming into this race that had, had never been there before. So mm-hmm. um, so that was really – so I, I did that for several several uh, election cycles, um, you know, working with candidates. And, and eventually ended up working for one of the – in one of the national uh, organizations, helping uh, train candidates and, and, and train staff on how to run congressional campaigns and – did that until 2008, but I had And then a, how old are you at this time? I mean, it sounds like you're... Man, I'm 24. Very, yeah, you're 24, and you're <laughs> training now. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. So, you know, and then I, um, you know, uh, kind of got burnt out on that, too, mm-hmm. you know? So there's this pattern where ah. you get really in, interested in something, <laughs> go full bore for a while, and then I get burnt out. Ah, okay. So this is kind of where the... The risk-taking, maybe now you're burnt out, so now what yeah. are you going to do next? So, yeah. okay. yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so then I 
uh, I, you know, growing up in Wyoming and Nebraska, we'd always come to Denver. Denver was like, it was the city. You know, uh-huh. we'd, we'd come, you know, a couple times a year for things like school shopping and stuff like that. And, and we had family that was down here. And so I always wanted to, to live in the Denver metro area. So I thought, okay, well, my only, my next career goal is just, I want a job in Denver, you know? And so I uh, ended up uh, getting a job running, uh, actually creating and then running the uh corporate training department for a natural gas utility company. And they wanted me to, I, I applied for this job. I, they literally were looking for somebody to train on this software, this, this billing system that I had never seen or heard of, you know? <laughs> and I was like, like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that thing that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think what you actually need is not somebody who can train on that, but you need somebody who can build, you know, a, a full training program and a full curriculum. And you need all these things and somebody who can help you take, uh, business needs and convert them into technical uh, requirements and, 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 and work with the development team. And I can do that. And I said, you know, this is a, sort of this constellation of skills that like, I, I can't do very well the thing that you need, but I can do all these other things a little bit that you probably actually really need. Yeah. And, uh, and they hired me. So and, you had a vision and a strategy yeah. for them that they didn't even know they needed. Exactly. So they hired me. The big aha moment. Did the light bulb kind of? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, we want that. And what was great is I eliminated my competition. And this is something that I, I, I've done a few times in my career where uh, I, I, I convince them that what they really need is something different than what they're looking for. And then all of a sudden, the other candidates aren't qualified for the thing that now they are looking for. Yeah. Because, you know, so that's... So you uh, plant that new seed. Right. And now they're looking for you. Exactly. exactly. Right. <laughs> wow, you're good. You're good. <laughs> just, just like, a, like a ninja. A yeah. ninja. <laughs> Very stealth. And they don't even know you're coming, right? <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So then um, uh, I, I stand up this, this training team and... Um, uh, do that for about uh, about a year and a half, and decide that okay, I'm now I'm, I'm in Denver. I've, I've done this thing. I'm I kind of it's not really like the thing I want to do. So I'm going to look for something else. And um, uh, they they knew that I was looking for something else, and so they they created a, a new position for me. They uh, one thing I had learned while I was, or maybe not so much learned, but one it's just part of my personality. Kind of I I um I'm I never feel very settled. I'm always like looking for something else. Uh-huh. You know. And uh, I was really passionate about finding ways to take this, this, this $16 million billing and workforce management system we had just implemented. And you know, how do we use that to actually optimize our workforce? Well, that wasn't my job, but I was, I was fascinated by this idea. And there was nobody else that was doing that. And so I started saying, well, what about this? What if we were to do this? And, you know, well, you know I, I pulled all this data and made this report. Look, it looks like we're really inefficient here. And uh, it, it made a lot of waves. It upset a lot of people. And because all of a sudden I'm kind of poking this very conservative utility company that's done this, done things the same way for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, saying, well, why don't we do this? And, you know, and I, I was young and kind of kind of dumb and didn't know how to manage the politics of the organization. So mm-hmm. burned a lot of bridges, kind of became this lightning rod. But eventually, you know, one of the executives, uh, you know, our VP of operations said, well, actually, I... I need somebody to do that. And like, there's nobody else here who even understands that everybody else is just like stuck on doing what they're told to do. And like, I need somebody who can help me innovate. And so he created a position for me where my job was, you know, innovate the company, kind of like carte blanche, blank check, just, wow. let's, let's just do this. Yeah. And so I got really lucky to have an executive who had been there forever, but 
still had this innovative spirit and was willing to take a risk with a now 26-year-old kid who had sort of upset everybody else and, <laughs> you know, um, and, and give him some, you know, some, some runway to do crazy things. Mm-hmm. So. so you ended up not leaving the organization right. then and then creating another position. So is that a kind of a, a lesson learned that you would share with people is, did you actively kind of say, hey, I'm looking for something new? Or it sounded like you just started poking around into some data, things that were interesting to you. Yeah. So maybe you wouldn't go about it the same way again? Or I mean, how would you kind of share that with others? Yeah, great question. So I learned a lot of lessons through that. And so some of the key insights that I learned from that, uh, number one, uh, I was not trying. I was not trying to get a new job there. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like I set out and said, "Okay, what what can I do that will make them want to give me a different job?" Because I didn't even think that was an option. Yeah. You know, because I mean? uh, if it's an established company like that, the you know the jobs are the jobs, right? Exactly. They don't create new ones. Yeah, yeah. and it, it wasn't like we had a job that was a good fit for that. But mm-hmm. it was just one of these things where I was. I, I just I, I had this this obsession. So from you know going back to my nerdy programming days I just loved data and I loved systems and 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 I kind of knew conceptually you know how you could tweak and customize systems and develop new systems to um to be able to you know to automate things and make things more efficient or 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 find anomalies and stuff like that so I just sort of did because I was were you bored? Yeah I was bored yeah kind of yeah it sounds like you've kind of created what's such a craze now which is analytics Right. right. How do you yeah. how do you take the data that you have and mm-hmm. then make it meaningful for business decisions? Right. And I mean that's very common now. Now there's a lot of jobs for that, right? Right. But yeah. there wasn't then. Yeah, but, it wasn't. Yeah, certainly with them. Yeah. So really, you were bored. I was bored. And, bored. Okay. Yes, yeah, bored, and it was just kind of like, hey, what what can I figure out here? And then it and it, and it kind of started as like, well, I don't know, like, am I really supposed to be like, am I allowed mm-hmm. to be playing with this data? You know and. So the first couple of times I was like, I'd go to somebody who was safe and say, hey, I pulled this and I see that, hey, this, this, this. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, this is, like, this answers a question I've been asking my team for years, you know? And, and so it just started, it started being, yeah, no, yeah, do that. Just keep doing that. Yeah. And then, um, so they, they created this role. And that was something that was um, just that process of them creating this role uh, for me, uh, it, it it upset some people as if I wasn't upsetting enough people already <laughs> by telling them that they're that they're doing things wrong and I'm just pipsqueak who doesn't know anything yeah. you know but um, people are like well you know why did you you didn't even open that position up for Ooh. interviews you know uh-huh. like you just gave it to him without giving me a chance and and their point was yeah but he's already doing this job like you you're just doing like the, what's in your box and like. He he's doing this. What, what's in his box, and also this other thing. Now we're just going to give him the space to keep doing that thing. Like if, if you want to come to us with a good idea, maybe we'll create a job for you too. You know, so yeah. it was just hmm. realizing that you know, um, I, I I'm a big believer in in do your current job very well, and and that opens up opportunities. But but don't get so hung up in. I'm just going to do this, and I'm I'm not going to look for other opportunities yeah. to contribute. Well, and that. Uh happens frequently that people are like, I'm heads down, I'm doing a great job, why didn't I get promoted? Or mm-hmm. I'm doing a great job, heads down, I didn't even know there was other jobs out there. Yeah. And I think you get in that, if you don't start talking to people about what you want to do next, or maybe mm-hmm. it, there's no harm in saying, I'm bored, and I want right. another challenge, and I want to get involved. One of the other podcast interviewers talked about if you do find yourself bored, 
you know, don't get frustrated that your company's not promoting you. Mm-hmm. Her point was start looking for projects that you can get involved in. Like maybe yeah. there's an HR policy, you're going to rewrite the HR right. policies, or maybe there's a, some sort of other initiative. So mm-hmm. sometimes you can get involved in that mm-hmm. without creating your own like you did. But yeah, well, I, I think, <laughs> but, you know, there's a way to get noticed and then yeah. exposure to other executives, other teams, et cetera. So well, that's right. And that, you know, I, I kind of followed that same pattern several times at that company where, so I, I was in this this new role for uh, right at about a year, almost exactly a year, and um, you know had I had learned, uh, and this is one thing I would I would I would advise young people to learn is you know it, you know my my generation I, I call myself an elder millennial right so I'm just barely on the like. So I was going to ask you, do you consider yourself a millennial? <laughs> so an elder, an yeah. elder millennial. I yeah, that. I would, I always tell I always tell uh, my friends I said you know I I I have all of the like the personality traits, like the impatience and things of a millennial. But like, I don't know any of the cool stuff that millennials know, you know? I don't know what any emojis mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what any of the acronyms mean, or I don't know who the cool bands are, you know? So, but, um, but I, uh, uh, yeah, so, I, so what, what I had to learn was how to work with the organization, work with the people that are in that role. You know, this was a very conservative organization, uh, the people that were in sort of middle and upper management had, had been there 20, 30, 40 years in some cases, you know. Wow. And so they really understood how how things were done. And they understood why they were done that way. And that was uh, that was that was good and that was bad, right? That that's a risk for them because then they get they, they can't see new opportunities, mm-hmm. um, which is what I brought to the table. But I had to understand, you know, kind of like um, you know, judo, you know, how do you like they're already going a certain direction. How do you take that energy and redirect it versus trying to like, you know, full stop, no, you should do this thing. Like how do you say, hey, hey, we're doing this thing really great. What if we made this little tweak here? Or understanding where they already want to make improvements and, you know, try trying not to go against the grain as much as I did in my first couple of years there. <laughs> you know, once I really got in alignment with the people that have been there, they they started seeing me as as a partner who could help them, you know, help them look like rock stars and it wasn't necessarily this young punk trying to yeah so it sounds like you kind of shifted from hey here's all these great ideas let's go do them to well what's the great idea you want to do and how can i help you achieve that yeah and how can i keep you going in that yeah exactly it was it was being more intentional about looking for the pains that are already in the organization and then finding a way to to Mm. solve them and and, you know because i just sort of and and when i look back retrospectively I, i realized I had done that on accident the first time, right? So I sort of pulled these reports and these analytics that they already wanted. They just couldn't figure out a way to get them. Ah. And so I sort of stumbled into that pain. Um, and so then, you know, I realized, well, if you're more intentional about looking for that pain, you can help solve those problems. And, you know, really thinking about how you can make other people look, look good. You know, you, you will never lose by making somebody else look like a rock star. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, I like that versus, yeah, but if you're coming into their area to show them yeah. where all the problem areas, I mean, that's mm-hmm. not, they're not going to feel good about that. That mm-hmm. feels like you're making them look bad. But if you come yeah. in with, how can I yeah. help exactly. you? What do you need? Right. What do you need? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So a big kind of, was that a big mindset set shift or did you have a mentor or someone kind of coach you on, hey, you know, if you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I did have a couple of really great mentors. One of them I uh, was the general counsel at at that company and mm-hmm. and uh, I had picked him because I wanted somebody outside of operations which is the department that I was in I wanted somebody else who who could say you know who understood the organization who understood all the politics but who could say 
you know, but maybe it wasn't so entrenched in how operations did things. Yeah. Right. And so he was. But being he, general counsel, they would know a lot about the business. Right. Exactly. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And he was, you know, he was one of, I, I was sort of a, you know, um, you know, uh, a leadership, um, I, I love studying leadership and personal development mm-hmm. and, and he was like that as well. And so we kind of connected on that level and. Um, did you officially ask him to be a mentor or I was did. it more? Oh, you did. Okay. I did. Yeah. I, I took him, I took him to lunch. I had only met him a couple of times, but I, I had taken him, to, I took, asked to go to lunch and, and asked him some questions and, and, uh, we had kind of a good rapport. So I said, yeah, I'd love to do this on a more frequent basis. And I, you know, I don't know if I ever said the words, you know, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. It was like, Hey, I'd love to like take you to lunch once a month and ask you questions. And it, it, we developed into that mentoring relationship. I don't know that we ever formalized it but, okay you know. well and I asked that because I wonder if the word mentor these days it feels outdated it doesn't feel yeah. I don't know it feels so formal and I don't know that that's I, and I haven't found the right word of what it is like and it's yeah. really it's a relationship it's a trust yeah. it's a I mean in a way it is the best word but it's just got kind of a connotation that yeah. I mean you you didn't really use it with him so yeah I don't, but, I don't, I don't yet, think we did yeah but yet that's what was going on yeah sort of. yeah hmm. exactly so, you know, I, I did this for about a year and then was kind of feeling a little bit antsy again, was starting to look again. And um, and I, I part of my job was to help, you know, the, the company was split into these 22 different divisions and each division had a, you know, ha, you know had a leader. And um, my job was to help those, those division leaders be, you know, uh, find efficiencies, be more effective, try new things. And, you know, out of the 22, there were maybe four or five who were really into it and like, yeah, give us all the help you can. But the rest were very resistant. They were like, I know how to do this. You know, what are you going to tell me? They're all in their 50s mm, and 60s mm. and, you know, been on the company forever. And what can this kid tell us? You know, I don't, I don't care what the data says. I know how gas utilities work, you know. And, um, and, and then there was an opportunity where they, they, they let, you know, they, they fired the worst performing manager of these divisions and they they came and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in actually running a division, and you know, putting you know, seeing how it's you know, trying to do it, you know, see yeah. if so. Here's put into worst. practice what yeah. you've been promoting, right? Exactly, and because uh, I because sort of one of my complaints was, hey, you know, there's a few guys that are letting me help them, but most of the guys are resistant. They're like, well, well here you go, go in there, prove it, you know, sink or swim, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> you know, we went from the worst performing of 22 divisions to the third best performing in 15 months. So wow. we, we exceeded our, it was, a, it was a division that was shrinking by about 2% a year, which in the utility industry is like, is, is awful, right? You know, utilities usually move pretty slow. Um, and uh, we were shrinking. Up or down, right? Up or down, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so, they, you know, they were, they were uh, shrinking, um, they weren't hitting their growth goals, they were out of compliance, all, all these issues, right? And so within 15 months, we had, I, I had, you know, rebuilt about a third of the team in that division and, you know, got... The, the folks out that weren't ready to innovate and brought in people who were and and kind of got this, you know set new expectations and we we, uh, we 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 blew the numbers out it was easy what was nice is this is another thing I learned is when there is um, failure or something's not working there's oftentimes a lot of low hanging fruit mm. mm-hmm. and so uh, you can usually look really good if you go to a division or or something like that or a market maybe where you know, things have been kind of faltering for a little bit. Like there's, there's probably a lot of good opportunities where you can quickly get results. Um, and then once you get those results, the next results get kind of hard, right? Yeah. Then it gets harder. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but you know, so we, we grew, we grew, we grew by 2% that year, which, 
Um, you know, they, you know, uh, which is a swing of 4%, right? Cause exactly. if they had been going down now, you know, exactly. And, and in the utility industry, you know, the fast growing utilities grow about 1% a year, you know? So like this division grew twice as fast as sort of the fast growing benchmark mm-hmm. in the industry. So then they said, so I was there for about 15 months and this was back in Nebraska. So I had moved, I had moved to Nebraska. Um, we had had our, our daughter by that point, And, uh, my wife at the time was pregnant with our son and, you know, wanted to be back near her family in, in Denver. And so we had, I was looking for a job back here and, um, my mentor, uh, had now taken over, um, uh, was expand. He, he was, he was slated to become CEO of the company. There was kind of a, a year long process where that was happening. And he had taken over our government affairs and communications department as part of that, that process. And he was looking for a communications manager, which um, wasn't something I was necessarily directly qualified for, but it was somewhat similar to what I had done, you know, before in politics and, um, and, I, and it was back in Denver, most importantly for yeah. me. And so I, I said, Hey, would you be interested in giving me a, a shot at this? And he's like, well, you're, you know, you kind of have this path in operations. Like, are you sure you want to make that switch? I said, well, I, I, I'm not going to stay in this role. I need to get back to Denver. So I'm either going to leave the company or, or change to a different department. And so, um, so he, he brought me in to, to interview with the team and, uh, he sort of said, I'm kind of accusing myself that like we have a relationship. I'm not going to push, I'm not going to support you or hold, hold you back. Like the team has to decide. And the, the, Oh, that's interesting. Cause a lot of times you think, well, if I have this mentor, <coughs> that's my end, right? right well, yeah. I mean, the way it was, he at least got you in front of that team, it, it, right? He got me, okay. got me a, uh, yeah, got, got me an at bat, which mm-hmm. is all. An at bat. Yeah. You know, <laughs> back to your baseball days. Exactly. <laughs> And, um, and there were, there were four members of this team and there were, there was one who was sort of solidly in my court. She was my, uh, my government relations manager in Nebraska. And so she, um, you know, she and I had a great relationship. She's like, yeah, that's the, I want, you know, that'd be great to work with you. Um, and, uh, and there was one guy who was kind of on the fence and then two others that were adamantly opposed. Mm. They were like, hey, we don't want this guy. Like there's a highly qualified PR executive who's, you know, we want instead and, you know, it was like, why would we bring this kid in who doesn't know like the, the core function of the PR stuff? So I, I sort of used the same strategy I used to get to the company in the first place. I said, well, look, you say you're looking for a PR person, which I have a little bit of experience in, but really what I'm, what I have experience in is, is, is the government relations side and, and, and also how to, you know, how to build teams in this company. I've done it now three different times. And, um, you know, in one of the struggles this team was having was, they didn't have, they weren't on the inside, you know, they didn't have, they weren't getting the respect they needed. They weren't, um, they weren't able to uh, actually impact things at the company. I said, so, so I positioned myself as the person who could kind of check to some degree the boxes that they needed checked, but also I could bring this, this bigger, this bigger, uh, you know, this bigger uh, uh, influence and, 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 and help with sort of the, the, the political strategy um, and, and I convinced them enough to give me a shot. You know, I don't know that they were convinced, but enough to give me a shot. So, okay, well, we'll give you a, you know, a year to kind of make this work and see if this works as part of our team. Within about six months, they had created a position over that team and put me in charge of the entire team. Um, say, okay, we want, we want, and we want to really think strategically about how we're communicating. We had these big legislative goals, these big regulatory goals, and, you know, we had never done that kind of thing. And, and so I've kind of gone back to you know, um, my political days where I said, okay, well, how do we actually get this stuff done? And so anyway, so we, we were, we, we got a lot done. Uh, ended up putting marketing underneath me uh, as well from a, from a communication strategy standpoint, like building the messaging and um, build, helping build the growth strategy. So this is where I first got my toe dipped on the marketing side. 
And uh, we ended up putting together a strategy. Um, the, the, uh, we were private equity owned. The board had come to us and said, hey, we want you to cut your marketing budget in half. Now, we only had a $180,000 marketing budget for a $200 million a year company. So we didn't really have a marketing budget. I mean, that's not a marketing like, budget. You're like, really? Cut it in half? Yeah. So, we're, so we said, well, uh, we're not going to be successful if we do that. We're not successful with what we have now. So we said, well, uh, we kind of went all in. This is where the risk comes in. We said, instead of, instead of giving them a plan for cutting it in half, we actually gave them a, a proposal for uh, 10xing it. So going from 180000 to $1.8 and we said, this is what we actually need to be able to actually grow this company. You know, taking some of the growth strategies that worked when I ran that division, say, here's how we can apply them across the whole company. And they bit off. They said, okay, we'll do that. And we'll actually give you guys an extra $100 million for, you know, actually laying new pipe and expanding the system and reaching new customers and things. But, you know, it's like, if it doesn't work, you guys, like, you're fired, obviously, you know? So so this is the risk meter. This is the risk meter, yeah. So it's like, okay, we're good. It's literally sink or swing. It's like, it works or it doesn't. We didn't know if it was going to work, but we knew that we weren't going to be successful with what we had before. So we knew that we weren't going to be successful. We may be able to keep our jobs, but we aren't going to be successful, truly. So we did this, and it worked. We ended up becoming the fastest-growing gas utility two years in a row in, 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 across the country, you know, uh, we grew at 2% a year, which again is twice the rate that is sort of like the fast utility growth rate. Um, and, you know, in the first 85 years of the company, it took them 85 years to get to a valuation of $850 million. Uh, within two years, we, we sold the company for $1.9 billion. So more than doubled in two years what they had built in 85 years. Just by changing how the company grew, we had changed some of the regulatory environment to where, you know, there, there were some changes there that allowed them to be more profitable, made it more attractive. Um, but it was an incredible win and it was kind of like we, we put all our chips in and it worked, you know? And so then I was like, okay, that's, uh, I was sort of now in this mind frame of, I want to help companies grow, you know? And, um, that's how I made that shift. Wow. Well, I guess you help companies grow. Well, so how did you know to propose the 10 times? I mean, how, and how did you know what to do? I mean, you weren't even hardly in marketing. You're right. Yeah. Well, what, did, what, what did you see? Was it a big vision idea or were you just taking the collective of the whole team and you just had yeah. enough courage and risk taking to say, you know, like you said, we were we knew we weren't going to be successful if we did what mm-hmm. they asked us to do. But right. you really shifted their mind from marketing being a cost center to being a growth opportunity. Right. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. So talk yeah. to me. Well, you know, so a, a couple of things happened. One, you know, uh, uh the requests coming from our owners had shifted a little bit to where, you know, they had originally purchased us to be able to, you know, to be kind of a platform where they could acquire other companies and build them on. That's kind of, that was their model, these private equity uh, guys. And uh, the market had shifted a little bit. There weren't as many gas utilities available for sale. So they're like, well, we have all this money we want to put somewhere, but we don't know where it is. And so they were looking for, we knew that they were looking for companies within their portfolio to grow. We were not on their short list because we didn't grow. Our growth strategy was don't shrink, right? It's like if we can get a... <laughs> That's your growth strategy. Yeah, okay. If we could get enough meters every year to backfill the meters that we lost because people are leaving these rural communities that we're serving, then that's a win. You know, like we're like, we're just a cash flow business. We're not really a, you know, a growth business. And, um, and, uh, so we knew that they were looking for opportunities to grow. Uh, we knew, you know, I, I knew from my time running, you know, that, 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 that division in Nebraska, that there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there if we could just go after it, you know? And, um, 
the company had said that they wanted to grow. There weren't that many divisions that were looking for, to accept that help because they kind of thought they had taken all of the growth that was available and they were very resistant to that. And, and we had proven in my division that we could grow. So it was like, okay, well, why don't we take some of that and apply it company-wide? You know, we, we may not be able to have sustained growth for years, but there's some low-hanging fruit that we could gobble up for a couple of years and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get some quick wins. And and, and so we, we had that little Petri dish, that, that model that, hey, if, when we do these things on a small scale, we know that they work. So we assume that we can make them work on, on a, a larger scale. scale. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we just need dollars to do it and we need more people to do it. And, you know, um, and and then the other thing that we had done is they, they had hired a, a new executive to... Um, who had come from a fast-growing utility. He, he had a background of growing utilities. And so, you know, he, he brought a little bit of that, um, that authority and that cachet to be able to say, you know, like, I know how to grow utilities. And so it wasn't just like this young punk anymore. It was like I had, mm. a, I had a seasoned partner who was new. And it was, you know, whenever there's a new executive coming in, there's, there's, there's an environment where they can propose new things yeah. and change things, Expected. Right? Yeah, exactly. not just can, but expected, Exactly, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. So so it was kind of this perfect storm where, you know, we, we had this new guy who was expected to make some changes. We knew that our owners were looking for places to put dollars to be able to grow. We had tested some of these things out in my division, and they were successful. And so it was kind of like we, we felt like we had a pretty good case. It wasn't like we were, you know, shooting out of a black box like we, yeah. we 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 had we had some some proof points you mm-hmm. know we didn't know if we if we could make it work globally but we we thought we probably could wow. and so it was you know so it was a risk because it was the exact opposite <laughs> of what they were asking for but we but it was a calculated risk because we knew that you know we, we it wasn't like we were just making this up yeah well and did you also have this mindset that if because they were private equity they probably would have an open mind to another way to look at something versus exactly. just, you know, because I, I think many times when you're just part of a regime that goes on and on and on, mm-hmm. it is about, you didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. What part of, you know, did a, my order not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. was not clear, right? But in this case, you know, okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you've had this great success there. So right. is this when you started your side gig? And um, It is when I started my side gig, yeah. And, and the way I started it was um, I, I knew that I, I couldn't do something that took a lot of time because I had a very busy career. <laughs> I had two young kids, job, yeah. you know, and um, my, you know, my wife at the time uh, had some medical issues. And so I knew I didn't have a lot of time to put into it. So I thought, well, what I want to do is I want to, I want to put together a training you know, that I can sell. And the thing that I thought I was good at um, at the time was – you know, helping you know, uh, helping executives get in the press because you know, so sort of, you know, a, a year after I got into this communications role, um, you know, still probably not as good as the seasoned PR pros that are out there. But we had gotten something like three hundred and some odd you know press mentions, including Wall Street Journal and CNN and some of these things. That um, I thought, okay, well, I, I I think I have a a good strategy for how to get CEOs into the media, and that seems like a valuable thing for some companies. So I put together a training for that and and started selling it and you know I made a few sales with it nothing it wasn't like a you know didn't like double my income or anything like that you know, it's just a, truly a side gig you know mm-hmm. um, and then I and then I lost my job so uh, when ironically when they put the company up for sale they said well we no longer need to grow and but we need to cut costs and make it more attractive to get rid of all these guys because because the other companies you're selling to are other utilities and utilities don't don't believe in growth and you know, for some reason. And so let's get rid of the growth guys. So our, our entire team, you know, was, was laid off or left or whatever within about a two month period. And, 
Um, and then they sold it and, you know, made an extra billion dollars, you know, and you think, well, that's, that's very nice of you, <laughs> but you know, that, but that's how it works, right? Yeah, that's, you know, totally. I've been part of that as well. <laughs> yep. And so, um, so then I started, uh, you know, being, becoming, taking it more seriously and, and, and thinking, okay, well, I want, you know, I, 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 well, now I have time, maybe I'll build it into an actual agency, like a marketing agency, mm-hmm. you know, or a PR agency. Um, but, uh, so I was kind of on that path and then my old boss, this, uh, this growth executive from that utility, he called me and said, Hey, uh, another private equity company has another boring business, not a utility. It's a government contractor that outsources building department services is looking to grow and said, you know what, you want to come, you know, see if we can catch lightning in a bottle again. And so I went there uh, running marketing and sales and, um, you know, kind of implemented some of the same, like very basic low hanging fruit kind of solutions take them from you know 24 million in revenue took them to 84 million dollars in revenue in about two years wow um and as part of that process uh i ended up uh, i hired a marketing agency to help me do that and fell in love with the the folks at this this agency so i ended up um joining the agency and taking my that company as my first client and uh, so this kind of outsourced my job to the agency which you know was kind of a win-win for everybody because Mm -hmm. Um, it meant that, you know, they, they didn't need to pay, you know, my bloated salary for things like creative and stuff like that. They, they, needed, I, they, could, they could just pay me for strategy. They could pay these cheaper resources for, um, you know, creative and that kind of stuff. With It's cheaper and they're a lot better than I was yeah. at those things. And it opens up headcount and, you know, there's exactly. a variety of reasons why that's a benefit. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so then that was when I first stepped into this agency world. And so I spent several years working at agencies and... Um, helped them build that agency, went to another agency. And then um, this last year, as part of my work through Landmark, actually, I made the decision to go fully independent and and leave uh, my last agency. I still, they are still my biggest client. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, that's the tip when you want to start your own thing, you know, see if there's a way you can bring your current employer as your first client and, um, you know. So then they, um, when you say as, as your client, so you're doing work for them for yeah, other clients. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. they're, they're kind of a pipeline for you, but then you're also out selling your own thing too. Exactly. Right. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of that, uh, that calculated risk, right? Like I was very happy to leave, but it was, it was, I had that, that safety net, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, there were a lot of things I had to figure out, you know, I mean, you know, the finances didn't work out perfect on day one, obviously, you know. And, what? Yeah, right? Is that weird? Um, you know, and there were, you know, ups and downs and, you know, feast and famine is definitely a real thing always in business, especially the, your first year in it. And, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where I, where I am now. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride and I don't regret it for a minute. Wow. And I think of where you started and how we got to this now is, I mean, that has been a wild ride. It and has been. been You've been in politics, you've been in utility, marketing, <laughs> PR, communications, Selling operations, government, government services. Yeah. Wow. So what industry haven't you been in? Maybe that's kind <laughs> yeah. of a better question. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm not I've not gotten involved in the in the Colorado cannabis industry. That's probably the only thing I've not <laughs> What about to. financial services banking? Um, you know, I, I haven't done that either. Yeah. Well, maybe after listening to the podcast, someone in that industry will want yeah, to yeah, reach you, out. So. Yeah. You know, and what I love, so I, I discovered that I, my, my, my friends that are, so my brother also ended up in marketing kind of a roundabout oh. way. You know, he went into music and was, you know, was a music producer and now he, he owns an agency in Nebraska. So we kind of joke that we both ended up in this, the same field, like randomly and totally different yeah, paths, you know, to- wow. but he, he serves, you know, the cool brands, you know, he has, you know, like 
cool the cool consumer brands you know and the the shoe companies and the stuff like that and here I am I, I work with boring b2b <laughs> professional service companies <laughs> but I love it because I think there's such a need there for you know um, you know the, the these companies grow because they do a good job and they have networks and they have referrals but they don't know how to actually turn what they do into a like a marketable thing yeah you know and so I love helping turn the boring into something sexy so well, that could be your tagline, or is that your tagline? It, it should be. It's it should not. be. Well, that's very well, and maybe that's a good way for us to kind of wrap this up. Yeah. So, any kind of words of wisdom when you look back now? I mean, what's interesting? Many people have talked about that. When you look back, you can kind of connect the dots, and it all makes sense. But when you were in it, or when you started, there was, you know, there was just random dots. Yeah. I mean, do you have some thoughts that you could share to people who might be stuck or just starting out? A couple, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I when I was uh, uh, interviewing with the CEO at this at this government service company that I, I went to, um, he told me he's like he's like, well, there's a very clear path in your career, like perfect for this. I'm thinking there's a clear path. <laughs> Where, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't look like it to me, you know, but, um, but that's because you sold him on I, what he needed was your right, path. So right. that's why he's like, man, your path matches exactly what we need. And you're like, well, that's because. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so you know, just knowing that it, 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 it isn't, um, there's no linear path. Like, I mean, I couldn't have predicted this. I, and I, I don't even try to predict what's next, right? I have yeah. kind of a direction I want to go, but who knows in five years, you know, uh, where things are going to go. But I think, um, understanding that what you bring to the table, like everything you've been through uh, creates this unique offering that, you know, when you're applying for, you know, this, um, you know, your first sort of uh, big role or maybe your your next big role, you know, not thinking, how do I make myself appear like I fit what's on this job description, but like, what do they really want? And what can I bring that might be unique? Because, it, you know, if you compete on being, you know, you know, having one more certification than the next guy, mm-hmm. you, know, you just it's a losing battle, I think, half the time. But if you can say, well, I am the only person who can who has worked, you know, who can bring the fashion industry and the, you know, the computer industry and the financial services industry together, you know, and that's what you need because X Y Z. Then like, there's literally nobody who can. There's nobody else on their roster yeah, who can, can match can do that. that. Yeah. I think that's the first thing is this thing, what can you uniquely bring? The other thing is, um, you, know, what, you know, one of the people that I really admire is a woman named Peggy Noonan. Peggy Noonan was Ronald Reagan's speechwriter. And uh, she said one time in, in a book she wrote, she said, you know, uh, the, the first week that we arrived in Washington after President Reagan was elected, uh, she said, I would meet these people and I was just so intimidated. I would think, man, how did I end up here? And she said, after about six months, you start to look around and think, man, how did all these other people end up here? <laughs> you know, and, and that served me well when I was at this utility company because uh, I kind of quickly realized that there are no experts, right? There are people that know how to do what they're doing right now really, really well, but they aren't really experts any more than the next guy or any more than I could be mm-hmm. on a particular topic. And um, the world is shifting so fast that yesterday's expert is irrelevant today. And so, you know, not being intimidated to offer new ideas or try to find the way that, you know, your your social media side gig you had a couple of years ago maybe could help you in this new role or whatever. Like, you know, look, look for ways to 
to, to offer new ideas, to find new, new solutions to existing problems or, you know, um, and, and, and that's okay. You know, there are no experts and, um, you know, you, you could be, you know, uh, just as qualified to lead a change as somebody who's been there for 20 years or somebody who's 20 years your senior or mm -hmm. somebody who, you know, quote unquote matches the profile of the position when you don't, you know, it's, yeah. you know, be open to the idea that you bring something to the table that nobody else does. Wow. I love that. I, I've unfortunately had a mindset of, um, I'm not good enough. Mm. And that's been what I've worked on with the landmark is and when you leave that behind, yeah. it is amazing how you can step into. Well, this is what I bring. Yeah. Uh, versus, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have this. It's yeah. like no, but I've got this, 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 and this. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing from you. So. Mm -hmm. Well, Aaron, this has been so cool. Number one, I know you because you're on my team, right? <laughs> and that's why it's, you know I I wanted to talk with you more, but you know just to now have this whole path, I have this insight into you that maybe a lot of people have never really even heard that story told sure, yeah. in that way before. So, but I'm hoping that uh, you know listeners will get this and go, wow, there's there is there isn't one just way to go, and there isn't one path. There's a lot of ways to go. Yeah, and Kathy, thanks so much. Is I I've fall in love with your podcast and they're, you know, just thinking of some of the people you've interviewed and, and the cool stories that they have and just honored to be on that list and so excited for what the impact that you're having and, you know, people's careers and, you know, sharing that message that careers are messy. <laughs> careers are messy. Life is messy. <laughs> yes. And it's only when you look back that there looks like they're not messy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. And listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe so that you get access to future stories. And please share this podcast with your friends and family and network because you never know who needs to hear this story today. And by the way, you can find more stories on my website, lifestorycurator.com. Have a great day.